Hey everybody, you're listening to Driving a Man with Jim Campanis and special guest today, the doctor of baseball, Eric Lindeberg. Uh Eric has a fine background uh, announcing PA work. Oh, and by the way, he played baseball for this little school in Arizona called Arizona State. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I I played against those guys and they were pretty good. Uh, however, um, being a USC Trojan, I have my I have my uh, my heart still in in Troy Land. But uh, anyway, Eric, it's great to have you on, man. How you been? I'm good, Kathy. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, and uh, I wanted to uh, just mention. Uh, I've been gone for a while. I've been out of commission for a while. I know a lot of people who listen to your show were listeners of my previous show. And I want to thank them for all their support. I got a lot of messages, a lot of calls while I was out, and uh, it really helped me get through everything. And uh, so now that I'm back, here we are. Here we are, and you are back. And I'm so glad that you can be uh, my first guest on my new podcast. And by the way, although today is well, we're recording today on a weekend. Um, normally, these shows will be recorded during my, my long hour and a half, if I'm lucky, to two-hour commute uh, home for my, my uh, day job, which is in advertising. And ironically enough, we're doing a podcast. My ad agency is one of the top podcast agencies in the world. Uh, so it's just kind of funny where, you know, Eric and I love talking about baseball, talking about the things that are happening in the game, um, how they've changed over the years from when we were players. Uh, where the game's going from now, and it's kind of fun for me to to use this new sort of old technology called podcast, which is really talk radio, uh, but it's how we consume it, you know, through the podcast app on your phone there. So uh, pretty funny, Eric, how, you know, you and I, former radio guys, um, here we are talking to everybody on a podcast of all things, right? Well, it is funny, and, and the other thing is uh, what we talk about on, on this show are the same things we talk about when we get together. You know, uh, you and I get together and do our restaurant reviews every now and then, and it's all the same things we talk about. So why not have it here on the podcast? That's right. That's right. So one of the things I think that you and I had had, uh, talked about in in, in some previous conversations was, you know, just sort of the landscape of of how just it seems like in the last maybe three years, you know, I, I can't think of much more because, you know, the free agents were getting taken up in the, before, like, the winter meetings even came around, you know, and maybe some yeah. of the free agents, you know, were getting taken a little bit after that, but, you know, and then maybe the holdouts were wait, were waiting until, you know, around spring training, but, like, oh my gosh, it, like, even Bryce, I mean, Bryce Harper signed after spring training started, and here's a guy, like, supposedly the most sought-after free agent in a long time, Um and he and he, you know, and same with Machado. Like those guys signed after spring training had actually started, and and we still got a whole slew of guys unsigned. So uh, right. I, I kind of want I want to get your take on like what the hell's going on. Yeah, you know, it's a good a good question because it is different. Uh, if you remember three or four years ago, when Zach Greinke signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks, he signed in November, just previous to the winter meetings, and his signing set the tone, and it set the market for pitchers that year, and that's how it used to be. The first big name to sign would set the market, and then it was like dominoes. They'd start tumbling, and by Christmas time, everybody was signed. Uh, it's a whole different approach now, and I think it's, I think it mainly has to do with what we call the money ball approach. Uh, people are following statistics more. 
the general managers are hesitant to go out and sign somebody unless they have absolute statistical backing that the guy's going to work. Now, what we're seeing is a lot of contract extensions, as you know. Uh, Mike Trout being the first one got, what was it, a 12-year extension? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was a... I think it was a 10-year extension, but it was for 12 years because they, they extended against uh, off of his, his initial uh, extension. Oh, that's right. He had two years less on it. Uh, right. And all of a sudden, we're seeing that, and we're seeing guys being signed. Uh, I'll give you an example. Eloy Jimenez from the White Sox. They gave him a six-year extension before he had even played a major league game. So I think that's... that uh, it blew me away, probably you too. Uh, but we've seen a shift now from signing free agents. Now the focus seems to be on keeping your own players. If you have a guy who is a so-called franchise player or you think he's going to be one, sign him long-term. You don't have to worry about him being a free agent. And then develop your own system, your own farm system. Uh, some of the more successful teams now, I'll use the Dodgers for an example, incredible farm system. They can go out and make a trade for somebody and trade like when they made the deal for Machado last year, they traded five prospects. Three of them were from their top 30 prospects, and they didn't miss a beat. Those guys are now with the Orioles, and the Dodgers' farm system continues to produce. Uh, every year it seems like they have a rookie who contends for rookie of the year. Uh, this year it's Alex Verdugo. But the Dodgers are an example right. of a team that has a tremendous farm system, and so that seems to be the trend now. Instead of going after big-name free agents, big-money free agents, uh, sign your top guys and develop a farm system. And it makes sense. It really does. But what happens is it has an effect on guys like Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel. Those guys remain unsigned. And you're talking about two top-tier players, top-tier pitchers. Kimbrell as a closer, Keuchel as a starter. Keuchel was a Cy Young Award winner. Kimbrell led the league in saves year after year. And here they are, unsigned, and I don't know that there's much activity for those guys. Uh, I don't know if it's their agents priced them out of the market, or it's just bad timing on their part. They happen to become free agents during a time when there's this uh, sea change in attitude about free agency. So uh, I don't know. How do you feel about Kaiko and Kimbrough? Do you think they're going to sign at all? Well, well, this is what I think. So it, this, this goes back to... Um, now again, this is a this is a free agent position player versus a free agent pitcher, but um, Mustakis was a free agent, you know, uh, a couple years ago, and and he was offered his qualifying offer was like 15 million for the Royals, and he said no, I'm going to go test the market. This is my opinion where I started to really notice what's going on. So what happened was he goes out into the open market, and all he needs is 16 million for you know for that year or or you know, the equivalent of that for a, for a multi-year deal, and he'll sign, right? And nobody, nope, nobody came knocking, right? And then after like a month and a half of the season starting, the Royals go, I'll tell you what, we'll give you $5 million, take it or leave it. And so he has to take it. He has no other choice, or he's going to miss the season. Right. So he comes in in like, in like June, um, and then he gets traded to the Brewers, and uh, ends up, you know, ends up being in the playoffs with the Brewers, and he actually had a great, um, uh, you know, uh, playoffs. That's right. Uh, you know, but but this poor guy lost out on ten million dollars in one year because of a decision that he made. 
thinking that he's going to get he's going to break the bank and get twenty million a year for the next five years or something. You know, right? Uh, and, and, and he's a damn good player, by the way, both on offense and defense. Conversely, then then fast forward one more one year ahead, and you see um, Arenado, the third baseman for Colorado, and he was about to go into be a, becoming a free agent and. The same thing happened that the Angels did the Trout. They went and said, "Hey, we want to offer you an extension before this, before your your year extension. Your, I mean, your free agent year even comes up." So they go and they give him like 175 or whatever, 200 million. But you know, the, the greedy guy is thinking, "Well, I could have got 250." Well, the smart guy in 2019 says, "I'm taking that that long term money and and I'll figure out a way to make up that extra money through endorsements or what have you." Right. You know, and that's where I—that's th- where I think Kimbrel and um, and Keiko, uh, I and their agents, I think they're missing the mark. I think you know, if if you really want to get into the stratosphere of those numbers, um, you need to have a uniform on. That's right. And if you you know, and and what what if you you know again if if I'm the GM, I'm more apt to think I'll pay a a full a a player that you know a, a position player that plays every day you know, that kind of money because, you know, we're going to have his offense and his defense. Like, like Arenado, absolute no-brainer. The guy hits, the guy fields. The guy's unbelievable. Uh, he, he's loved in that town. You know, there'd be riots in the streets if they got rid of him, you know, just like right. there would have been riots in the streets of Anaheim if they got rid of Trout, the Angels, you know. Right. But 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 for me, it's like, okay, Kimbrell looked like he was human last year in the playoffs. Um, Keiko, you know, uh, He's going to win you the 11, 12 games a year, what have you, uh, and he's going to give you, you know, the good five, six innings a game. Is that worth $20 million? And that's what he's asking for. So, well, you know, that to me, like, that's, that's, the tough, that's the tough putt for those two guys. I don't know. what. Do you think there's a difference between, like from a team's point of view, signing a pitcher versus signing a, a hitter? I think there is a difference. Uh, I'll give you another guy. Adam Jones was a free agent. uh uh, didn't get many offers, so he took a one-year deal from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, and I know, I saw an interview with him. He's hoping to have a good year, a big solid year, and then get a long-term deal after this coming season. But I think those days are over with, at least for now, with the current crop of general managers, guys who didn't necessarily play baseball. Uh, they came up through financial you know, degrees and things like that, and they didn't play the game past grade school or high school, they have a different approach than the old school general managers that you and I are used to. Uh, so these guys are all about the bottom line, and they have changed the market. The, the free agents, the days of getting, you know, $20 million a year for three years and five years, I think are over with. Uh, Machado and Harper, of course, being the players they are, got their deals, got their long-term money, but you'll notice it was long-term, you know, 10 years. That's a long contract. That, that's a career right there. So it is. Well, know, one of the guys that comes to mind, like by the way, I think just to carry to, to to piggyback on that on your on your comment, um, I think that there's a bunch of teams that got burned. And I mean, I look at Josh Hamilton, the Angels. I just finished paying him off a couple of years after he's done. Um, oh, that's right. The the uh, the, the Giants. Um, no, not the Giants. Boston. Is still paying for um, Pablo Sandoval, the old, the panda, because he has he had some he had some lights out years when you know in 2015, 16 when 
the floodgates were opening up for, for free agents. He took advantage of it, and now nobody wants him, but they still got to pay him. They still owe him like $42 million or some ridiculous number. You know, right, and, and he's a AAA for a long player. Time. Yeah, he's a triple A player at this point, you know. Yeah. So um I think that that's that that's the stem that that those bad signings are in my opinion what what we're why they're they're making these um they they're making these changes and this is really, you know, as as the players looking around, I mean, I heard I heard a, I don't even know if it's true but I did hear a quote that was referenced to Trout saying, you know, it, 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 I wanted to sign so I didn't have to worry about the free agent market. And here's Mike Trout, the most sought-after player in the world, and and he didn't want to be out there in, in la-la land of am I going to sign or am I going to get the right deal and what's am I going to, what team am I going to go to? Like all these variables, you know, the guy's a ball player. He just wants to play ball, and, and he, right. loved, he loves Anaheim. And um, – and you know, it, it, I think to the Angels' credit, they were they were out in front of this uh, extension with Trout. I would say, like in a very strategic way, where they were not going to let their let their star player or the agent. By the way, Mike Trout's agent is only Mike Trout's agent. He's not the agent for anybody else. And I think that was the, to the benefit of Mike Trout because, like Boris, you know. I got. I, I. I. I'm afraid that he's part of the problem, not part of the solution, and and he's he's almost in some ways um, dictating that one player sacrifice for another player, and he's even going into the draft and, and suggesting and making you know changes where he's saying, well, this guy will take this if you take this guy in the third as the third pick instead of the second pick, or or what have you, or the fourth pick instead of the third or fifth pick. And so there was speculation a couple of years ago when um, this kid uh, who was who was taken from uh, Jay Sarah in California, Royce, I can't remember his last name right now, but um, speculation was he went in the first, he was the first pick because uh, Hunter Green was also a Boris agent. Um, and and they, there was speculation that they did this because one team paid the money and the other team wouldn't. And they, they, they negotiated all this stuff ahead of the draft because they knew these wow. guys were going to be going, to, you know. So to me, there, there's there's fault on both sides. I think the players right. need to corral the, the agents, and I think the, the teams um, need to address each player as an individual and not a collection of, of stable, like a stable of players from an agent. Right. And and that's where that's where things are getting really convoluted and messy. And if I was a player now of, of a high caliber, like I wouldn't want to have Boris as my agent, although, you know, he's got all the clout in the world, but he's using his I I'm seeing it that he's using his powers for evil and not for good. That's just my perception, you know. Well, you know, and I hadn't heard some of that stuff that you just recounted. Uh, but now it all, now that you've mentioned it, it's all falling together and making sense. Boris is part of the problem. He has a huge client list. And at some point, he has been playing one deal against another, as you were saying. Uh, and boy, the fact that he was able to influence the draft, uh, that's, that's scary stuff. If I was a player, I wouldn't be, I would be in, in the position of, of Trout as far as having an agent who represents only me. Uh, that's a wise move. And as far as the agents right. go, how many guys can they represent and do it properly and do it well? 
you can't have 30 clients, in my opinion. You can't have 30 guys you represent and do them justice. You really can't. Uh, right. Well, this, you remember you got to know that this thing goes all the way into their sponsorships too. So, like, like, like Boris will negotiate a, a deal, and um, and and he might he might get Nike to say, hey, I'll I'll do these five players, you know, and all of a sudden these five players are now Nike guys or they're or they're Under Armour guys or or what have you, and he, and so that's a benefit to the player because now they can sort of like go to Costco. These brands can go to like like a like a Costco. Uh, like like buying in bulk, you know they can get right. these great players in bulk. So I, I see that as a that's a benefit to the player, um, and and really benefit to the brands that want these players and 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 like you can localize those talents, you know, to where they're from. Like you know, run like the Cubs guys could run you know the ads or the or be involved in in regional advertising in the Midwest, for example, because they're, they're they're Cubs players versus the West Coast Dodger players or. Or Giants players, or Seattle players, and the East Coast players, right? So, right. you know, th there's a lot of, you know, Eric. I don't know if you're aware of this, but when I was a player, we were in spring training, and it's like maybe two weeks into into the spring training, or three weeks in, and all of a sudden, uh, one of the clubhouse guys is walking from locker to locker and and handing players an envelope. And they they did that a lot of times because there'd be an itinerary and they you know, we're going on a road trip or there'd be like right. you know like like some information about some event that we we all got to go to or whatever. So anyway, he, he goes by my locker and then he, and he skips me and he goes to the next guy. I'm like, hey, where's mine? He goes, uh, this is licensing money from for next from last year. You don't get anybody. Sorry, you weren't on the team. <laughs> like, oh, so so the guy. So the guy next to me opens it up and he's like, oh, pretty good year. And it's a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar. Hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar check. Okay. Oh my gosh. And and that's what that's what the major league minimum was back then. Okay. Yeah. So so remember these players, they're not just getting what their salary. They're, they're also getting licensing money, which is much bigger now than it was back then. So you know, every time someone buys a baseball card or someone you know buys a, a an ice cream sundae out of a of, of out of a batting helmet. Um, Piece of that piece of that earning is going towards the players' distribution fund for licensing, right. and it's distributed um, based on how many days that you spent in the majors the year before, right? So, so you know, you're a, you you come up and you spend the whole year there, you're going to get the full share versus you know a share of based on how many days you were up. But even right. like the guys that got called up, they got called up at the end of the year, you know, they're still getting like twenty, thirty grand, you know, for baseball cards and, and their piece of being a major leaguer for 30 days, you know? So, uh, that, that's something I, I'm not sure people are even aware of. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm betting a then, lot of our listeners are hearing this for the first time. Yeah. And then, you know, think about, you know, the times you see, you know, um, the, a player on a, on a, on a, on an ad or, you know, even if it's an internet ad, like Mike Trout recently was dancing, disco dancing. I don't know if you saw that for Under Armour. Uh, along with uh, 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 yeah, along with Luck, the quarterback, you know, for for uh, Indianapolis, right? Um, and it obviously it was a it was a fun kind of you know fun sort of uh, have a good time commercial, but don't don't mistake that Trout didn't get paid for that. Come on, it's a Under Armour for God's sake, right? Right. So you know, here's a guy making a guy making a ninety eight thousand dollars a game, and then he's he's doing this on the side, you know. Uh, 
so you, you know, there's there's a lot of ancillary dollars that, but you, you got to have a uniform. No one's paying Keiko right now for anything because he doesn't have a uniform on. That's right. You know, so this is where I this is where I get a little bit. Um, I would say discouraged or disappointed. I think is a better word for um, you know what what both the players and the teams are doing when there's just so much money out there. Uh, you know that that to to to, to wallow in you know uh, missing a few million dollars when you can make that up in so many other ways. It, it just it doesn't make sense to me. You know, and I and I'll tell you, I, I was involved in, in two player strikes as a player. They just happened to be I was there in, the, in a bad time when strikes were the, the the collective bargaining agreement was was they were pretty far apart. So they would do short deals, and so then there was two of them, and we're still living off of the one that we that they did when I was a player. So it's been a long time, and uh, and it's coming up again in 2020. And so I'm going to make a make a semi semi bold prediction in that if this if this free agent thing doesn't write itself, it's going to be a contention in the in the new collective bargaining agreement because the players aren't going to stand for this, and the owners are going to come back and say, well, hey, there's too many uh, Pablo Sandoval's and 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 Zach Granke's out there for us to to drop big long term deals, you know. Right. So I, I wonder if they they might even come up with like a a scale. Or like a mandatory minimum, uh, you know, like free agency package, or or a mandatory maximum, like you can't go over this many years, or and, and I don't know how those two sides could ever agree on something like that, but I do I well, do worry. A, that's a tough that, one. That's a tough one. That yeah, because the players are not going to give back an inch that they got, and the owners want that inch back, you know, and this right. is where it's coming down to. It's a game of inches, uh, even in this bargaining thing. You know, right? Um, what 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 what's going to happen when um, they expand? Which is a lot of talk about expansion for two new teams. Well, the only way those new teams get players is through the 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 you know the MLB inside draft, like the expansion draft, which I was I went through um, when the Rockies and and Marlins came on. And unfortunately, I didn't get picked, but all my buddies that got picked in that expansion draft, they were in the big leagues that next year because there was no other players. You know. Right. Um, one of my one of my good buddies, Brett Barbary, happened to benefit from that. He got picked from the Expos, and before he knew it, he's the starting uh, second baseman for uh, the Marlins. You know, and right. and I mean, right guy at the right place at the right time. You know, so so what's going to happen when like the new team comes into like say they're talking about Portland, Portland, Oregon gets a new team, and maybe they're saying Montreal gets a new team again. You know, right. So now how how are those guys going to get players? They're not going to have the budgets for for ten year, you know, two hundred million dollar players, or or will they? I don't know. But like, like, how are they going to fill the competitive team in the first five years unless the free agency thing gets gets worked out? You know, so that's right. This is a deeper uh, problem than I think people realize. Right, and uh, the last time they expanded was in nineteen ninety eight, and you might remember the Arizona Diamondbacks in ninety eight, of course, had a last place team, but. Thanks to free agency, thanks to the people they were able to sign, and they had deep pockets. In '99, they won the division, their second year in existence. So the days of expansion teams being in last place for five years and trying to develop their own system, uh, those days are long gone. So when they do expand, and I believe it's coming, I don't know how soon, but I, I believe two more teams are going to be added. When they do expand, this is all going to hit the fan if it hasn't been resolved. Now I think a lot of players, well, a lot of agents at least, 
think there's some kind of collusion going on. Similar to what happened in 1986, you might remember when uh, Kurt Gibson couldn't get a deal and had to resign with the Tigers. He was the biggest name, but uh, I don't believe it is collusion on that level. I believe it's. I don't think general managers are getting together quietly behind closed doors and say, "Okay, let's not sign these guys. Let's not sign this guy. Let's let's let Tim Brell sit out there." I don't believe it's that at all. It's the market has dictated this, and they have found. What they're doing, giving those extensions, they have found to be more profitable and more result-oriented than signing a guy like Sandoval. That's just the bottom line, and the players are going to have to uh, – it's just the way it is, and the players are going to have to learn to live with it or you know, go on strike again. I don't know. I don't know what the resolution is going to be, but I think going on strike is not the answer. They're going to have to resolve it uh, you know, in a boardroom somewhere. Well, yeah, and I, and but that that's always been sort of, you know, the only resort that the players have had, though. Like, like, like they have, they don't have any other clout, other than we're not going to play, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, that this, by the way, you made mention of 1986. Well, my grandpa was indicted in that collusion thing because he was the GM of the Dodgers in '86. Right. And. Um, and Bob Boone, uh, who I became, you know, really good friends with, with his uh, oldest son, Brent, who was my teammate at USC. Um, the one thing that, that Bob told me was that, you know, he, he, he didn't get, he was a free agent that year and, um, and he did not get signed. And, uh, and then they finally, then he finally did sign, but he had to take a crappy deal from, I think it was the Royals. And, uh, or, or maybe it was with the Angels for one more. I can't remember how they exactly went down, but but Bob told me that he got awarded like uh, like about three hundred thousand, which back then was you know was a you know was a decent salary. He was making about one million as a free agent, you know, a year. And and right. here's an all star catcher. You know that that's how big the dollars have gone up since you know the the eighties. But you know a million dollars um, a year back then was. You know, when a house, a beautiful house, was three hundred grand, right you know, in the in the hills of L.A. You know, but that that's all. That was a ton of money. But um, when you think about, you know, what, you know, what the stakes are now, uh, it's a much different, um, it's a much different deal, where you know the, the the dollars that guys are 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 losing are in the in the tens of millions, you know, not the hundreds of thousands. That's so, right. You know. In a, in a sense, I, I think there is collusion, but I think the collusion is actually what I would call common sense collusion. Every team's looked at every team's looked at bad signings and said well, we're not going to make that mistake again, or right. we're not going to make that mistake once. We already watched everybody else make those mistakes. We're not going to do it. You know, right. One guy that comes to mind uh, that, that you're you're aware of, um, Goldschmidt. He goes and gets traded to a new team. And then they give him an extension. Like, what the hell? Like, what what do you make of that one? Yeah, he got a well, it was a six year extension, I think, from the Cardinals. Might have been longer, but yeah, before the season even started, he got traded. Yeah, in spring and, training. Yeah, right. And within weeks of being traded to the Cardinals, he gets his deal. Uh, he's a guy that would have been a free agent at the end of this year. This was his walk year. Uh, so the Cardinals, he's already a proven commodity. You know, everyone knows what Goldschmidt is going to do. So the Cardinals, 
didn't feel it was much of a risk to sign him for another six years. Now, at the end of that time, he'll be, I think, 37 or 38 years old, which it's odd to me, but the way it is, players who are 36, 37, 38 years old are not getting signed anymore. You're not seeing the veterans uh, getting deals uh, like we did just five years ago, four years ago. Uh, Curtis Granderson is a rarity. Howie Kendrick is a rarity. Those guys are in their upper 30s. They're still getting signed uh, because they're producing. That's the bottom line. If you don't produce, you're not going to get signed. Right. But, uh, you know, uh, I think the well, Matt, days Matt Holliday's Matt Holliday's another guy that, you know, he, he didn't get signed until like, like July last year, and he went out and had a great great season. He was one of the reasons that the Rockies almost got there. Um, That's right. He's nowhere to be found. He's nowhere to be found this year. No, he's not playing. I guess uh, I think he retired. I think he actually did retire. And uh, just uh, as an aside here, Rick Ankeel, remember Rick, he is working out pitching again with the Cardinals. It looks like he's going to be pitching in their double-A team pretty soon, trying to make a comeback, and he's 39. But uh, it's a rarity. Like the two guys I mentioned, Curtis Granderson and Howie Kendrick, are producing right now. I mean, hitting well right now. Uh, Kendrick is a hitting machine. He always has been. So, but those guys are the rarity. They're not. Uh, we're not going to see the older players getting signed. We're seeing guys that are 19, 20, 21 years old getting promoted to the majors. Uh, it's become a younger right. game right now. And I don't know. This obviously is a trend. And it'll be this way for a while, and then it may go back to. You know, those guys, I know when I was younger, you're 20, 21, you were in the minor leagues working on working your way up to the majors. You expected to get up there by the time you were 23, 24. It isn't like that now. It isn't like that at all. Well, I happened to watch a 20-year-old get his first hit just yesterday, uh, Vladdy Jr., and, um, you know, he's he, he's an anomaly. Like, he's... You know, his dad's a Hall of Famer, and, and, and I don't know if you... I, I actually Googled Vlad's mom just to yeah. see, like, like what, what her, like, she's tall as he is, as Vlad as Jr. She's a big lady, and Vlad Sr. is a big man, and they made a big kid, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and with, with with baseball jeans in him, right? So he's almost like a, a, a kid to me, like a Ken Griffey Jr., you know, uh, uh, like, like the perfect DNA matched with the perfect uh, parenting, you know, and, and baseball parenting, you know, it's like, right. like a, a very good, uh, but you know, we're also seeing younger guys come up the Dodgers. I mean, you know, the last two World Series teams were a ton of youngsters were the reasons they got there. Guys under 25 years old. You know, Bellinger right. going off this year. Um, you know, Jock Peterson, who I'm not a fan of uh, his swing, but it looks like he's he's starting to air uh, uh, iron out, you know, his little issues. And he's having a, a decent year, um, but you look at that team and the average. If you have, if you put the starters in there and the pitchers, you know they're they're a twenty year old, twenty five year old team still. They're they're all very young, you know. And of course you have the Kershaws of the world who are maybe in their early thirties. Um, but you know, I, I can't think of any, too many other guys that are, you know. And and I I've seen the same exact uh, change. I actually. Um, and I don't have this list with me. I wish I, I wish I still had it. But I googled the, the major league top free agents 
2019, and it was like five pages worth. And as I as I was going through these names, I'm like, oh my gosh, that guy's not playing anymore. Like like a total stud, uh, you know, from from the year before or the year before that, and no longer in baseball. Meanwhile, you know, Jellic Jellic is uh is is crushing the ball. You know, these younger guys are are just stepping up. Um. What I'm what I'm waiting to see is like like the, what happens with these younger guys who are getting the big dollars after the third year of their big dollar deal like like Harper Machado Stanton I don't worry about Trout as much because of his work ethic but I I do see you know Machado for example you know what happens when he gets bored and and decides right. you know I'm so rich I can do it, do it you know I'm not going to work out this off season like I I have been and. uh you know, I'll just throw my jock on the field because I'm making, you know, $45 million this year. Yeah, and just go through the motion. I think that's what happened. Yeah, I think that's what happened with Pablo Sandoval. I mean, he he went from being a, a big a big guy but in shape to a straight-out fat dude who can't play, you know. Right. And so, I mean, it, to me, like, that's that's the gamble that you take. These these people are humans at the end of the day. And, you know, certain, certain people have a uh, – an attitude where, hey, wait a minute, I'm all that, and um, you know, I don't need to work hard anymore. I, I've already proven myself. Uh, did you hear the quote? The quote that Puig made. No. So Puig, obviously, we know now is with the Reds, and um, this is his free agent year. So he's this is his seventh year in the majors, and he signed a seven million, I mean, seven year, forty two million dollar deal. Okay. Right. So when you think about it, he's, he was a steal for the Dodgers, but they signed him before he even played one professional game with $42 million, okay, based right. off of batting practice. They watched, they watched him take batting practice. So so he made this quote uh, basically saying, you know, um, this is my free agency year. I'm going to work really hard this year and, and to get that money. <laughs> and like, wait, what? You mean you haven't been working hard? And, and he is admitting now that he – he did not work hard or hard enough as a Dodger because he was just going to wait until this year and his free agency year, and then he was going to go off, and then they were going to pay him a whole bunch of money. But, but, but then what's he going to do? Like sit around for the next four years until the fifth year he needs to kick ass again? Right? Yeah, see, that, and, that's the implication. At, and, least, uh, at least, yeah, this guy said it, though. Like he said it out loud, he, and, 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 and he meant it. He wasn't lying. He was like, yeah, I just – I wasn't. I was just. I didn't work hard to, because I. I was. I, I don't need to. So, like, th- that's another sort of um, dynamic where again, they're these are human beings, and uh, right. you know, and even you Miguel know the, Cabrera. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say Miguel Cabrera is back this year, but you know he was p- being paid like thirty million over the last two years, and and he couldn't play. So that right. that's a. That that's exactly what can happen to these guys who who are getting the big dollars. Well, in, in Puig's case, yeah, I, you know he he came out and said it. There are a lot of guys who are doing that and who feel that way who aren't saying it. They're just quietly, you know, playing out the string and hoping to become free agents and get their big money. Uh, you know, and players worried about injuries now. Every I saw. Uh, I hate to single him out and criticize him, but Josh Harrison, who is with the Tigers now, was with Pittsburgh last year. And I was watching the yeah. game where 
uh, he hit a grounder, infield grounder. He was running the first base, and he got tagged in the chest by the first baseman. He crumbled down in a heap just from getting tagged in the chest and came out of the game and went on the DL for 15 days because he had a sore chest. Now, that to me was the epitome of a guy who obviously doesn't have the work ethic that someone like Trout has, uh, who was just playing. I don't know what he was doing. You know, the Pirates didn't win last year. Maybe he was thinking, well, I'm not on a winning team anyway. But uh, Harrison is a guy who did not get big money in the offseason either and uh, ended up signing with the Tigers. And also, you mentioned the Stockers earlier. And uh, for our listeners who may not know, you signed that one-year deal last year with the Brewers. It happened again. He ended up signing another one-year deal. He's with the Brewers again. So is that going to be a trend, one-year deals? Uh, uh, Adam Jones, like I said, signed with the Diamondbacks for one year. Maybe some of these guys are going to sign from year to year. They'll get signed by somebody. And uh, maybe they're hoping to ride it out until this wave ends and they think that maybe long-term deals are going to come back. I personally don't think long-term free agent deals are coming back. So uh, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Well, part of me thinks that Japan has the answer, the Japanese league. Um, One of my – because I think there has to be parity, like I should say equity on both sides. You can't. You can't let a player give him a ton of money and then and then he checks himself out because he's getting a guaranteed paycheck. And what they do in Japan is they they basically give you you know uh, uh, the minimum if you're if you're younger you know or newer to the league, but then a boatload of incentives. But then even if you've been established and you've been in the league for a while, um, they they may give you let's say a million a year like base, but yeah. an opportunity to make ten million if you with incentives. So one of my good friends, his name's Frank Bullock. He was on the Angels um, in the '90s, and um, and then uh, and he, but he was like an up and down guy, up and down, up and down. And he was a third base switch hitter, third baseman. And um, it's funny, he, his agent got him a, an opportunity to go play in Japan. So he gets there, is and he signed like a three year deal to go there. So, right. so but it was it was like a hundred it was like a hundred twenty thousand. Um, dollar deal and and uh which is basically the major league minimum at the time or maybe a little bit less but with incentives right so right. his first year he goes out and he hits ex- like 20 30 home runs or something so he made like half a million on home run incentives he drove in like over 100 runs another 250 um and he said that he would have had a lot more production but they walked him all the time so in his second year contract, Derek May was his was his teammate, and Derek said, "Dude, you got to tell him you get a thousand dollars a walk, or you're never gonna you're never gonna hit your incentive numbers after you had a year like that because they're not gonna pitch to you." So that's right. what he did. He went out and he and he negotiated a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, a thousand dollars a walk. Okay, and he walked one hundred twenty times. <laughs> so he got he got one hundred twenty thousand dollars for walking. Okay. He also hit his 30 home runs. He also had his 100 RBIs. He had like a batting average incentive too, and and he made like two million one year, uh, and and basically the bulk of it was incentives. Frank was the first American player to be voted into the All Star game by uh, by the Japanese public vote. That's oh, wow. how popular he became in Japan, and he learned how to speak enough. He's a he's a 
he's like a he's like a a ginger, like a like a redheaded white kid, you know. And uh, and, he, and he's a really funny dude, but he learned Japanese. Um, Bullock's from like Pennsylvania, so he's like, hey, I talk like this, you know. And uh, I love the guy, and he would and he would laugh because that's how he talks, right? But but like Bo was like, hey, I learned how to I learned some Japanese, and like I love sushi, and man, me and the Japanese people, we just hit it on. And to this day, uh, he 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 gets all kinds of recognition by Japanese people for being Frank Bullock, the the legend, uh, you know. But my my point is is like like the way that he got paid was because he played so well um and so he actually got an offer a contract extension offer and he played like he eventually played like until he couldn't play his body couldn't like actually play anymore uh, because he did so well in the japanese team but but see, what I, my point in bringing up frank bolick is i see that as what i would do if i was a general manager like to a mistakis i'd say dude here's the deal I'm gonna give you like five million, okay? But I'm gonna give you the opportunity to make fifteen if you kick ass, and you know. And here's what here's what the criteria are, and wouldn't that that would take that would take the human like element of of laziness, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be like a river and follow the course of least resistance too. Now you're gonna put him put that water and funnel it into into a drive uh, for success. You know what I mean? And and I don't know why uh, that isn't happening. I know there's got to be incentives out there um, on some players' contracts. I, I know they've been there for a long time, but I almost feel like like that seems to be like what might work as a as a as a compromise between not signing guys for a lot of money and a long time term and screwing them when they do sign them. This this to me is like a, it's a it's a fair way where the player can get at least the, the decent um, guaranteed money, but as long as he can perform, they'll pay him. Right. They'll pay him more than he would have made as a as a free agent. You know, right? It's based on results, so the team ends up coming out ahead also. Uh, right, it's I, a win-win. Yeah, and you're right. There are some incentive-laden contracts out there, but most of them we don't hear about them very often. Most of them have to do with right. uh, making the All-Star team, or if you you know, lead the league in this category or you come in the top five in this category, then you get X amount of dollars. That's the kind of incentives we're seeing right now. Uh, in the future, I think uh, and I think you're right. We're going to see more incentives, and it could be that that will be where the big money lies for players in the incentives. Right. And that's how it should be. That's really how it should be. Well, and the, the only the only hole that I'll, I'll I would say that that the players could come back to is like let's say Eric you have you have uh, 29 home runs you're set to make three million bucks if you hit 30 home runs um, and they sit you for the last five games. Yeah. Right. Right. Because they want to save the money. Let's say the t- your team's already out of it. Like it doesn't matter if you you hit that one extra home run. It's not going to affect the team's won or lost like they're they're already gonna they're already out of the playoffs. Yet right. you're trying you're trying to score you you hit this home run uh to, to score three million bucks or five or whatever that number might be and you get taken out of the game or um I, I should say you don't get to play because they you know what I mean? Like like and that's something that the team could do intentionally to screw a guy who's on the verge of hitting one of his incentives. 
I think yeah. that that has to be written into the to the bylaws somehow, some way, or you could file a grievance and get your money because the team did that to you. Right. You know. Yeah. But, uh, again, no like, like from the owners from the owners side, they could do that. Yeah, make no mistake about it. They would do it too. Uh, right. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Look at the guys who, the rookies who don't get called up until June because it affects their service time in the major leagues. Uh, the first time I heard about this was two or three years ago when Chris Bryant first came up to the Cubs. Yep. He filed a grievance because they kept him in the minors just long enough so that when he got called up, it didn't add to his service time. They had him for, they had team control for another year, basically. And, uh, boy, that's a bone of contention with players right now, young players especially. I noticed... Well, that's what they did. That's what they did to Vladdy Jr. That's exactly why yeah. he got called up so late. And they, 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 and they waited until like the, the 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 first day where where they're they're allowed to like the wave that um that 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 uh that 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 time you know. So Vladdy's still on the on the cycle of if he didn't get called up until later in the year versus starting the season on the team, even though right. he had the best spring of anyone on the team, you know. So that that rule should change as well, I think, because it, it it's it's um it's harmful to the to the player. Yeah, I think so too. And I if uh if there is a strike at some point, I will almost guarantee that that's gonna be one of the issues that has to be resolved. Uh Fernando Tatis Jr. made the Padres out of spring training, but it was just uh commonly discussed that he wouldn't be getting called up until June because they wanted to keep that team control over him. Uh, to the Padres' credit, he had a great spring. Uh, he did better than any, you know, it's not like they have an all-star shortstop. So he did better than any of the other prospects who were trying out there, and they kept him on the roster for the whole season. Plus they signed Machado right. to play third base. So I give them credit for not leaving him down there until uh, you know, whatever the date is, the magic date when they have team control over the guy for several years. Uh, yeah, that's that's a rule that has to be obliterated to, completely. It really does. Well, that rule's been around since I was a player 25 years ago. Because Griffey, um, in 1989, I was in. It was my first uh, spring training, my first major league spring training, and uh, Griffey and I were, you know, like pretty close to the same age. I was actually, I think, one year older than him. Right. Um, but I had gone to college and he signed out of high school. And so anyway, we go out there and, and, uh, everyone's telling Griff, you know, you're, you're not going to make the team because you're, you're too young. And he was, he was 19 at the time and, uh, maybe 20, maybe 20, like we're coming up on 20. Anyway, he goes out in spring training and now remember I'm the, I'm pretty much the first string bullpen catcher for the, uh, right. the on the major league team. And then I got the coming games in the eighth inning and mop ups and I was excited just to be in the involved, right? And Henry was the was the penciled in center fielder to start in nineteen eighty nine, right? Right. And so, so Griffey comes out and looks at the situation and in his mind he's like, Nope, I'm the starter. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna win this job. And he he kept telling that to everybody and, and we kept telling him, dude, don't you understand? Like they're not going to do this. Cause that, that take, that's your, your, your arbitration here. 
And so they put him in against Dan Fleesack, right, or some nasty lefty just to pinch in in the ninth inning of a, of a blow, blowout game when nobody was even in the stands anymore, and he'd get a yeah. base hit. And then, they, then they'd start him against the lefty just to, just to get him to not perform. You know, it was almost like they were trying to fail, him to fail. And he ended up breaking the Mariners spring training record for hits. And yeah, like I remember that game. Spring. And so um, they decided, again, to their credit, they Griffey went up and was on the opening day starting team in 1989 when they, they could have pulled a, a, a Chris Bryant on him, and they did it. Right. So, but at the, on the same token, you know, Griffey's a Hall of Famer now. And he was a, he, we knew he was going to be a Hall of Fame type guy then. Uh, and, and so, you know, very much uncharacteristically of owners, it's the same thing that happened to Mike Trout by giving him that first extension when they didn't need to, and then giving him an early a second extension, which they didn't need to. It was all done because they know that they're dealing with a really special player, you know, and that's what right. Griffey was too. Right. You know, so, but what about the rest of the other guys? You know, the guys, those 150 guys on that free agent list who've played in the major league successfully over the last two years who don't have a job anymore. Right. Like, what about those guys, you know? Yeah, they're getting a the short end of the stick. And, uh, and now a lot of people, we talk like this and we do shows like this, and then I have people telling me, well, I don't feel sorry for those guys with the money they're making. That's not the issue. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. The money is what it is. Uh, they don't set the salaries, but obviously they're going to get as much as they can. Uh, I have a lot of people who've called into my show in the past. Uh, you might remember I did a show called The Fast Pitch with MC Brown. Yeah. And we almost on a weekly basis, we would get messages and calls complaining about the salaries. And uh, what I tell people is, okay, I understand. They make a thousand times more than we make through our jobs. But there are 750 Major League Baseball players. That makes them the top 750 performers in their field in the world. Now, and I would say to the listeners, are you the top, one of the top 750 in the world in what you do? If so, you'll right. be compensated accordingly. The other thing is, <laughs> excuse me, it, it, it's fine to feel that way and complain about the money, but it's funny how your attitude changes if you end up having a family member who becomes a prospect and is being scouted. It's funny how your mind changes and you start thinking, well, I guess the money isn't that bad after all. So it's all relative. The money is not, you know, we're not talking about the salaries right now. That's not the issue. It's, uh, you know, the extensions, guys that are free agents, guys that should be playing right now that aren't. That's the issue. Well, and I also tell people, this is a this is a player's um, like window, but most guys are not going to play after they're 35 at the at the latest, some 30. Right. So you get you have five six years to make all the money that to, for the rest of your life because you have no other background than baseball. What are you going to go out and maybe you know invest and be a business owner in something? Yeah, sure, maybe that, that's what a lot of guys do, where they invest in the in, in in the stock market and they get like how they, you know, live day to day. But, but like, what if you're a cardiologist making, you know, 500, 500 grand a year, which is major league minimum, right? Right. Well, you, can, you can do that until you're like 75, you know? That's right. And, 
and uh, and you probably wouldn't, but you could. You know, and if you're if you're in a, if you own you know, own an accounting firm, and you know you're making, you're, you know you're you're making five hundred grand a year. You're gonna do that until you're eighty. You know, right. And and the, the baseball player is done. Like the and same with I mean, I look at football players; their their careers are even shorter. You know, and so when when you think about amateurizing, you know, uh, like Mike Trout's twelve year deal, until it, right. he's forty. Well, well, let's say the guy lives another sixty years. You know. I'm sure. I mean, I know he's probably going to be able to survive off the money he's making, right? But but the right. argument is he's not going to make any more money after he's done. Like like his his income earning years are are on the downside. Like and then by within ten years of of, of retiring, you know he'll be at golf tournaments and and doing it for uh, you know rubber chicken lunch just because he likes playing golf and and hanging out. You know, but he's not making yeah, any well, money. Right, and you mentioned guys that uh, when they retire, yeah, they're going to buy a business or, or become businessmen. You and I personally know just as many guys who tried that and did not succeed and, right. and are struggling now. Uh, you know, without naming any names, um, I do have friends who play the game who are struggling right now. And this is after having some big contracts, some of these guys. So, uh, you know... They have to earn enough money to take care of themselves for a very long time. So you know, and right. what's the, what's the average player last in the major league? Less than five years, if that long. The average. I think player? it's three, three and a half. It's three and a half. I think is the average major league uh, career. Yeah, three and a half years. Most of these guys, a lot of them, players that went to college, a lot of them did not graduate. Uh, a lot of them signed out of high school. So. It's not as though they have something to fall back on, you know, readily. Uh, you know, they have to figure out what they're going to do. So I don't begrudge right. anyone the money they make, uh, and nor should our listeners. Right, and I, I, I actually know a guy who was not not a drinker, didn't drink, um, didn't didn't do, didn't smoke, didn't drink. Was a was a choir boy, and for some reason thought it'd be a great idea to invest in a sports bar. And uh, lost his ass, and then his wife divorced him, and she took half of what was left, and he's now like has to work when he didn't have to work anymore. If he would have just sat on that money, you know what I mean. Right. But the, the number one thing that I see out of the, these guys who, especially the ones that made over ten million as a player, right. is the divorce. Like like every one of my friends, um, every one of not, and actually, I don't say every single one, but like, like uh, I would say more than not, the uh, first wife, the, the the high school girlfriend wife, the college girlfriend wife, the wife they met in the minors, that didn't work out. Right. After they came home, after, you know, when when they were done playing and the glory days were over, and now you see them every single day in your mansion, and it, there's something that happens. I don't know what it is, but um, they end up losing half of their wealth because of the marriage, you know. Right. And so, you know, that's another, you know. Now, some people will say, well, what about their pension, you know? And so, yes, if you have, and I have a, I have a good friend who's who's waiting until he's old enough to start collecting his pension, but it's only like, I mean, it's it's a, it's a living wage for sure, you know. But it's, yeah. but, you know, I think, you, you think it's like maybe 6000 a month, you know. 
right. but it's not because his tenure, like he was in his tenure was eight, eight something years. And you don't click into the big numbers until you get into the 10th year. Uh, my dad's on a pension that from the old, um, collective bargaining thing. And he's doing like 3000 a month, but he didn't collect until he was in his seventies. So he let the money compound because right. before it was like a thousand a month. Like, what do I do with a thousand a month? Like, you know, Oh my God. So at least now, at least now that he's, you know, semi-retired, you know, they, they, that, that money helps them, you know, get through, uh, their, their hard costs, you know, the mortgage and the other things, you know, right. uh, food and, and et cetera. But, um, but again, you know, I'm not trying to say that, you know, poor, oh, poor baseball players, but, uh, there's a lot more that goes into it than, than the cynical, you know, the typical cynical, um, comments that we hear from people because all they see are the numbers. Right. Keep this in mind too, Eric. I don't know people, I know you know this, but like, let's say like Trout's got the $430 million, right? right. Um, half of that is taxes and, and attorneys and agents. Half of that money is already gone. Right. Um, sure. Can he live off of 200 and whatever, 20? Probably. But, uh, so it's not for it's not for it's not four forty or four thirty whatever. It's it's two two twenty two ten, is what Trout will end up taking home after his twelfth year. Right. Again, times the money, but it's not it's not the big number that you see aver, you know, advertised on the on the news of, of how much this guy made. So right. you know, think about the guy that signed the the five million dollar deal. You know, that's five million bucks. No, no, that's two point five. After everything's said and done, right? That's right. And then you know, and then you have an ex-wife. Now it's now it's now it's one. You know, <laughs> right? And so, so again, I mean, yeah, sure. I'd love to have a million bucks, right? But so would you, right? And, right. But when you think about when you think about like what you said before, the scarcity of the major league player in the world, seven hundred fifty. Uh, I had a major league contract um, in nineteen ninety two. And when I, but the way I thought about it was, okay, there was 27 teams at that time. Most teams carried two to three catchers. Um, given that contract that I had, I was one of the top 100 catchers in the world that year based on That's my contract. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe even lower than that, maybe in the top, say, 75, you know? And so, like, and, and by the way, I made 2400 a month that year. And I was the top seventy-five or hundred of something in the world. So, like, oh, man. people have to remember. People have to remember that that there's only a select few players that even get to the point where Mustakis got, you know. Right. And 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 only a, a, a even fewer players get to the point where Trout. I mean, it's it Trout's like a one and one out of all of them. But you know, the Harpers and the Machados, like like those are very few guys out of the the, the thousands. There's probably 1,500 players um, that rotate in and out of the major leagues each year of the, of the 750. There's 750 on the team, but you know somebody gets hurt, so now they're in the the IL, not the DL, the IL, and boom, they bring in somebody from the minors. Now that guy's in the majors, but there's still 750 of them. Right. And then when that guy gets healthy again, that guy goes back to the minors. Now he's in the minors, and that guy's back into the 750 that are in the big leagues. Right. So right. so when you when you think about there's there's really maybe twelve to fifteen hundred rotational players, and then there's two 
all those 1500, there's two guys that, that, that hit the jackpot this year. Right. And they hit the jackpot after spring training had even started, you know, that's what, what we're not, what you and I, I think are talking about for clarification is what about the other, um, 1498 guys? Like what about that's them? Right. That's right. And, and what, what, what's their future? Like when you're the second catcher or the third catcher, like I was, you know, and you have a, and you have a, a, a good first year, you know, and, and, and they'll, they'll keep you because you had, you know, because you're only going to have to pay you like, like, like Aaron judge. What, what do you think Aaron judge is making right now? Oh, I don't even know. So I, I looked it up and, and I want I can't remember the exact number, but it's like 615,000. Wow. Okay, because he's, because he's so new into, into like, he's only been, a, it's his third year. That's right. So they don't, That's they don't right. have to, yeah. they don't have to pay him. And and how much is Bellinger making? It's like his third year, right? He's making just over the minimum. So, I looked that up. Yeah, and look at the look at the performance that that you see from these young guys. But right when they click into that 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 arbitration year, okay. So so real quick, this is interesting. Trevor Bauer, the the pitcher for the um for the Cleveland uh, Indians, right? So right. he he went through arbitration. He went through an arbitration hearing this year. Just so happened that I do a, a I do a podcast called Halo Heat um, with Benny Bam, and we actually do it every Tuesday uh, with Mark Mancini. And right. we were talking uh, we were talking recently about um, with with the with with Trevor Bauer's pitching coach since he was a ten year old kid, and Trevor Bauer's dad actually works with this guy at a at a private um, pitching school in Southern California called a throw zone. Okay. So, so Trevor's dad, um, teaches young, young pitchers, you know, in this, in this, and along with this guy, Jim, uh, uh, Wagner. And so, so anyway, Wagner came on and told us the whole inside scoop of what happened to Trevor Bauer. So check this out. They go to arbitration, right? And the job of the of the arbitration the arbitrator is to hear both sides right of the of the team and then of the player right right and so so the player so ba- Bauer's team goes through and gives their like like reason why Trevor should get this money and it's all about his stats and and his his big victories and like like the the, the team uh is better because of him and so he deserves this this money and then what does the team do the team comes back and says, "Well, have you guys seen his um, his uh, his his social media? He, he he writes really classless things, and and he he talks about sixty nine, and he talks about um, four twenty, and and uh, and you know all of these things that are just you know these are not the this is not the character that we want to have on the Indians, and so we oh think that gosh. you should give him the lower amount of money." They attacked him personally because they couldn't attack him with his numbers, with his, with his, right. with his um, durability, with his uh, uh, game, with him being a competitor, they, they couldn't attack his play. So they attacked him personally. So by the way, this is the exact reason the angels gave why they didn't want to let Mike Trout go to arbitration the first time through, because right. that's what their job is. Their job is to rip the crap out of the integrity of the player's uh, personality, his poke a hole in his, Superman cape, that's their job, and it's 
this is our system. It's 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 terrible. So now Bauer gets signed by the Indians, and now he's like, well, f you guys if you think I'm a you know, and it it really hurt their relationship. And and Wagner came back and said, you know, as soon as that call was over, the GM called and said, hey, look. I'm sorry this had to happen this way. We 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 love you as a player. We're, you know, we we lost the arbitration hearing, but our job was to win. But that doesn't mean that we don't love you and you're part of it. But the guy is already doing damage control. Like like that's our system, by the way. Can you believe that? Yeah, I mean, and how does a player get over that? Right, that's not something easily. You attack forgotten. a guy. No, you attack a guy. You attack me. And, and and go after me personally, I'm gonna have an issue with that. Maybe for a long time. And if it ever comes up where I have a chance to go somewhere else, I'm I'm gone. You know. Right. So anyway, I think I think Eric, we've we've uh, we've we've talked about a lot of broken stuff. Do you think there's any possible chance of any kind of solution from this as we get you know as we start seeing this becoming more of a trend, this early signing or or is there going to be a strike? I hate to think so, but uh, I believe that I think we're thinking there will be a strike uh, to resolve this or, or come up with some some kind of solution, even if it's just a band-aid, which it probably will be. Uh, because, again, the Players Association is well aware that Ken Brell and Keiko are sitting out there uh, unsigned. And what happens? Uh, can't be a tickle another three months without being signed. Do they even have a future? Right. Right. So, and, that's and an again, issue. I mean, I look at I look at the Dodgers and um, I look at the Angels actually, and, and Keiko would fit in. Like, if they even want to think about having a chance this year, it's still right. early. But um, they they got twenty million dollars and they can still stay under the luxury tax, but they're not gonna. Right. Yeah, I don't know if there is. So I'm just, I'm just. I really don't know what what solutions there are, other than looking at things on a case by case basis, or almost. I mean, the other side of me too is like, if someone got creative and came up with a, um, you know, maybe even like sort of like a, a box. Where, okay, this is this is the deal. Um, if you're a pitcher, and 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 a, if you're a starting pitcher, like here here are the options that the teams and you have. Pick pick one of these three options. Right. And you know, it, and and I think that at some point they have to sort of come up with some kind of uh, like a, almost like a like a uh, a menu because it's the wild wild west lately. Whoever like like this year the Phillies said, you know, we're going to spend stupid money this year. Like because they because of the way the luxury tax is set up, and then conversely, the Dodgers said we 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 don't we can't get taxed at fifty percent or whatever it is, um, because we've been over the the tax the last several years. So so they actually you know were trading camp and they were dumping they were dumping salary after you know everybody that they could find to to dump the salary cap down they did, right and and like you know. That is another reason uh, the Yankees are in the same boat. So part of what I'm thinking too is like when you take two of the biggest spenders out of the game, you're 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 not going to have, you know, 
you you are going to the, the rest of the teams can't make up what the Dodgers and Yankees can can spend. Like all of them combined, you know, there's there's some that can, but not not like what we've seen in historically in the past. How much money those two teams will spend on players? Right. So, you know, when you take them out of the market, and and neither of them are really interested in Machado or Harper. Um, you know, the Dodgers were interested in Harper, I think, at some level, but they still had that salary cap issue, the luxury tax issue. So, I don't know, man. I think there's there's a lot of more uh, things that we should we could talk about, and um, I think we're sure we're we're just a little bit over an hour, Eric. I think it's about time we sort of wrap up. But I wanted to first of all uh, let the listeners know that we are going to keep talking about this um, situation and keep updating uh, on future shows. Right, uh, it's definitely gonna, an ongoing gonna, situation. Definitely an ongoing situation, and then um, what what Eric and I are planning on doing is is trying to do you know at least a weekly show, uh, posting it. So we'll uh, we'll give you guys a heads up. But I uh, just want to give a quick uh, shout out there. Tell tell everyone how they can get in touch with you and um, where some of your other um, shows might be able to be listened to on archive. Okay, you can uh, if you Google me, uh, Google Eric Landenberg. You'll see a bunch of shows come up. Uh, also, if you go on YouTube, uh, I have a show called Off the Wall. It's on there. Uh, also, some old shows, Doc's Clubhouse, um, Blog Talk Radio. Those are archived. You can find. Uh, and you can go to Facebook me. I'm on Facebook, Eric Mendenberg. And uh, let's see. That's about it right there. All right. And then uh, just a quick uh, reminder that uh, you can check out uh, my my number one selling baseball book, Born Into Baseball. It is I have a website, bornintobaseball.com, that'll give you some information, some background, some pictures. Um, you can also um, check it out on uh, Amazon and Kindle and all the places where they sell uh, the electronic and hard copies online. Um, and then again, this show is. Uh, Driving them in with Jim Campanis Jr. I, my special guest today was Eric Lenneberg, and uh, we are looking forward to having plenty more conversations, my friend. And uh, hope you are uh, so glad that you are um, you're feeling better. That that little health scare that we had is all behind us, and uh, now you're uh, now you're now you're back in the uh, back in wearing the uniform and, and got the mic in your hand, and we're gonna have you on a bunch more times. Yeah, that's right. I'm looking forward to it, Campy. All right. Well, hey, we'll be back uh, shortly in a couple weeks, or a week, I should say. And uh, in the meantime, uh, you can listen to other podcasts um, on uh, Driving Them In with Jim Campanis, special guest Eric Lenneberg. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>